0: Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh Good evening everyone or good afternoon if you're in Australia Pleasure to have all of you here with us for this part one of what will insha'Allah become a series. The, the series is based on some of the most commonly asked questions about islam, muslims, islamic practices and the islam unraveled initiative is it's an educational and informational initiative that allows people in the mainstream in the broader societies as well as Muslims to get a better understanding of Islam and we have found that whenever we are whenever we are open about our teachings and um, we we explain to people what the teachings are and why they are it makes it a lot easier to to understand the people society interacts with Muslims at, at all levels as, as classmates or roommates as um, as co-workers as bosses or employees as neighbors as people that are just walking on the street or, or shopping and questions arise about why they are doing certain things in, in in specific ways. So Islam unraveled is to remove some of the some of the mystery around these activities and practices and it creates it creates a better understanding. So one of the questions that we ask we get asked most frequently is it's about the hijab why do women in Islam have to cover themselves, why do they cover their hair, and um, what is this supposed to represent? I'd like to start with a story of an incident that that I experienced many years ago at the London Heathrow Airport where a gentleman who saw me dressed differently approached me and had questions about why I was dressed like that and um, I very briefly explained to him my reasons for for dressing in a certain way and this led to a very detailed and engaging conversation in which he asked me many questions about Islam and one of the questions was that why is your religion so oppressive towards Muslim uh, towards women and why uh, do they do they always have to cover up and uh, why are they not allowed to go about freely as as they choose to uh, dress and uh, and so on and so forth so I knew that this was not his it was not his fault for thinking like that this is an impression that can easily be created uh, in a society in which this is not the norm so I used an example to explain to him where we were coming from I asked him if he'd ever been to a shopping center and visited a jewelry store in a shopping center he said yes and I asked him what is a typical setup of a jewelry store And he said, well, often there are stands or little racks that have some fashion jewelry or lower-end jewelry, and those would be closer to the entrance of the store, and then um, the actual jewelry being in the showcases. So I said, okay, and um, is it easy to access the, the actual jewelry that's in the showcase? He said, well, you have to ask... You have to ask the representative and um, tell them which which item you'd like to see. They'll unlock it and they'll take it out, show it to you. As soon as you're done looking at it, they'll put it right back. And then I asked him that what are, um, where would you find like gold bricks, raw diamonds, and... Uh, jewels of of that nature he said oh you wouldn't find those in a regular jewelry store those would be at uh, at specific locations at specific dealers who deal with that kind of thing and I said okay well would they have it on display he said no it would probably be in a safe somewhere you'd have to make an appointment a lot of security and then you go in and see the merchandise only if you're a serious buyer I said okay that makes sense so of these three types of jewelry that we've discussed the stuff that's on the racks and the stuff that's in the showcase and the stuff that's only available at certain locations which do you think is of the most value he said well the stuff that's only at certain locations i said well isn't it kind of unfair that they don't let anyone see it shouldn't be shouldn't it be on display for for everyone to see for everyone to look at and to uh, to enjoy he said well then how would you protect it I said ah so you want to protect it he said obviously and I said so in order to protect it you want to keep it from the public eye he said obviously I said well if that's the case then if if Islam were to see women as those precious diamonds those precious jewels those rare jewels that are worth much, much more than any uh, single item of jewelry, and it aimed to to protect them and to preserve their value and and keep them from being devalued or undervalued. How could that be a negative thing? So he found that to be an interesting analogy now this was just an example that came to my mind. I was just uh, studying at that time and this example came to my mind but the reality is that there is no there is no oppression there is no um, there's no mistreatment in Islam for women let's take a few steps back before we we talk about the hijab in, in Islam. Um, hijab is not a new concept to civilization by any by any stretch. So far before the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him uh, came into the world, these, um, these types of dress codes were being adopted and implemented across various cultures and religions and civilizations in fact uh, Islamic scriptures and texts are not the first to speak about hijab Islam didn't necessarily invent the hijab or come up with the concept of hijab Uh, there are uh, texts in uh, in the Hindu tradition for example that speak about lowering the gaze and not revealing what garments conceal um, their culture also prohibited uh, free intermingling. Similarly, in Judaism, I'll read to you some of the texts that are um, that are found in um, the works of uh, of Judaic jurisprudence and law. So, for example, women who go out with their head uncovered may be divorced without compensation. In halakha, uh, the Jewish law defines the responsibility of covering the head based on the setting. So in a public setting, it states that the, the Torah states that a woman must completely cover her head in a public place. And some opinions state that a uh, a small part of her hair, like three fingers wide, may show. So they're quite specific as to the, the dress code. In a semi-public setting, Uh, one opinion states that even if men are usually not found there a married woman must cover her hair and in a private setting um, it states that the prevailing custom is for women to cover their hair even in the privacy of their own homes and it mentions that since our ancestors in all localities have adopted this practice it has taken on the full force of Jewish law and is obligatory. In the Bible um, Corinthians 11, any woman who prays or prophesies prophecies with her head unveiled, disgraces her head. It is one and the same thing as having her head shaved. For if a woman will not veil herself, then she should cut off her hair. But if it is disgraceful for a woman to have her hair cut off or to be shaved, then she should wear a veil. in one place it's mentioned that a woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. In one place it says, judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head unveiled? So, biblical teachings emphasize women covering their heads. Mary, or Hazrat Maryam, is always depicted in... Um, In biblical scriptures or in in drawings as having her head covered so all the paintings or the sculptures that you would see of Mary would have her with her with her head covered and those women who have sort of pledged to to stay on that path the nuns for example you will always see them with their heads covered so what does this symbolize it symbolizes chastity, purity, piety. In all of these faiths, it's a symbol of piety, it's a symbol of being pure, it's a symbol of protecting and preserving oneself. Now, in the setting that, that Islam was introduced, in the Arabian setting, even at that time, um, it was primarily only the, the slave women that, that would freely intermingle with, uh, with everyone and would not really cover themselves. In fact, it was a symbol of a woman being free and noble that she would she would cover herself. And the goal we can say across pretty much across all of these all of these traditions and cultures was to preserve the woman's honor and her respect and her dignity. and it was also to maintain her exclusive exclusivity Now. I cannot speak for other cultures in this regards, um, but Islam has always emphasized the importance of women. It has never undervalued women. In uh, in the Quran, it talks about a a single standard for being judged. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I've created you from males and females and I have created you into societies and, and nations and tribes so that you may recognize each other, so that you may understand each other's values and and, and worth and skills and abilities and irrespective of what where you belong, whether you're a male or a female, or what society you're coming from, the most noble in the sight of Allah are those who are most pious. So a person cannot get closer to God just by virtue of being a male, for example, or it's not like because a person is a male, they're all of a sudden superior to any female. That is not the case. As far as the treatment of women, is concerned. The Prophet summarized it very nicely where he said, the best of you are those who are best to their women. The best of you are those who are best to their women. So he really raised the bar and the standard for what is a good man? What is a man of an elevated status? Who is the closest to the Prophet Muhammad He is the one who is treating the women of his household in the best way possible. So there is no view of trying to diminish the status of women. That's not what hijab is about at all. This is related to some other themes in the religion. One is the preservation of modesty, the importance of chastity, the importance of protecting ourselves as men and as women from illicit relationships and from uh, unwanted glances or from from glances that are not of pure intent. Now intent is something that is is not really possible for us to know in most cases that why someone is looking at another person but Islam put in two measures one is that turn your gaze away if it's a person that you're not supposed to be staring at and secondly the other person should be dressed in a modest way. Now we can we can go into a lot of depth here, into a lot of detail here, but the notion that through this Islam is limiting women and restricting women, this is unfounded. Yes, protecting and preserving them and in the process protecting and what and preserving what Islam values in society absolutely so Islam promotes a society in which a woman is um, is not turned into a symbol she is not looked at as as an object she is not there to please the eyes of Anyone who happens to pass by, she is not there to be judged based on her on her physique, and her physical features. In fact, that is none of anyone's business, but her own. And if she wants, she can share that with those that are closest to her in her life, with her parents, with her father, with her with her brothers, uh, and you know when she gets married, then with her husband. But there is an exclusivity that Islam upholds for women, that they are not to be just put out in in the market to be available for anyone and everyone. Is there a clash of civilizations here? I don't think there is a clash of civilizations. I do understand that civilizations have, have evolved but when I look at the history of the the evolution of civilizations for example um, Western civilizations or Western cultures have only introduced rights for women in the last century and a half where Islam had given them those rights 1400 years ago so the right to uh, the right to work the right to own their own property Protecting them against abuse and violence, so actual laws that prohibit against it. Um, a share in inheritance, and uh, the ability to to move ahead and become as as wealthy and as prosperous as they want. There is no limit. There is no cap on that. That how wealthy and how prosperous a woman can become, and no her. Her husband, if she's married, her husband does not own everything that she owns. In fact, he doesn't own anything of what she owns. She is, in, she is entitled to her own wealth, and he's entitled to, her, to his own wealth, and they can decide how much of this they want to share. The burden ultimately rests still on the husband to look after her and care for her needs that may be of, of, a, of a diverse uh, range and, and of, of various natures. The onus is on him, he's ultimately ultimately responsible for looking after her and her safety and security. Now, a little bit about how hijab was introduced in Islamic teaching. So, in the fifth year after the migration, so the Prophet ﷺ lived in this world for twenty-three years after being given a prophethood. 13 of those years were in Mecca and 10 of them were in Medina. So about halfway through his, um, his stay in Medina, when he got married to, uh, to Zainab عنها, people were sitting and eating and after, <clears throat> after they, were, they finished eating the, the walima or, or the wedding feast, they, they were sitting and talking. Now it was a small home and his wife was sitting in a corner with her face turned away because all of these men were in the house. Some Sahaba like Umar did not like this. They said that you know the wives of the Prophet ﷺ should be, should be um, protected from, uh, from exposure to, uh, to people and to people's eyes and so on and so forth. So at that, at that occasion, the verse in Surah Al-Ahzab, verse number 53 of, of chapter 33 was revealed in which they were told they were given some specific instructions and one of those instructions was that now if you need to ask something from them then ask from behind a screen ask from behind some kind of a barrier that is better and it is purer for your hearts and their hearts so at that point the prophet ﷺ put up a curtain in his house giving complete privacy. So there are levels of hijab. When we talk about hijab, it's not, I mean, I know that the headscarf is frequently referred to as the hijab. Even Muslims, when they say hijab, where's my hijab, they're referring to the headscarf. But hijab is actually, it's a concept. Yes, it does refer to, it can refer to the headscarf, but it actually refers to the concept of a few things. One is, yes, the dress code, So from that aspect, hijab extends beyond just the head covering. It also involves uh, how she dresses the rest of her body, how she covers the rest of the body. So Islam would say that she should cover her body in such a way that it is not not being revealed. The Prophet said very clearly that once a girl reaches the age of puberty, then only her face and her hands should be visible. So that means the rest of the body should be covered in front of those people that are not her closest relative, like, like fathers, brothers, sons, etc., etc. So, yeah, she can, uh, she doesn't have to cover her entire body in front of those people. But when she's in front of non mahrams those people that are not related to her uh, in that way, then her body should be covered. And it's not just about covering it with some kind of a fabric, but rather. It's about the fabric being loose so that it does not reveal her physique, because it could be that it's technically covered with fabric, but it's also revealing the the shape uh, of, of of her physique. So it needs to be loose fitting, and it has to be such a material that's not uh, it's not shearing, it's not it's not see through. So these are some these are some general. This is the general dress code. So the first aspect of hijab is actually. Um, you know the dress code and the next aspect is maintaining a respectful distance so keeping a respectful distance from from women which means that first of all don't stare at them and look at them when it's not necessary when it's not required for you and for them it's to cover themselves as best as possible now She could choose to conceal herself from the gaze of men altogether if she wanted to. But if she needs to go out, as many women do, she can go out. But when she does, then there are two options. One option, which has been given preference in Islam, I'll be very open about it. One option is that no part of her body is visible, including the face. And there are numerous hadiths to this effect. This is how the, the wives of the Prophet ﷺ used to cover themselves where um, they would not allow others to, to to see their faces and other women uh, in the time of the Prophet ﷺ also did the same. There are many hadith to this effect. So the, the higher degree of hijab, once she goes out, is that she's completely covered. Is this a requirement? Well, there are exceptions. It is not Uh, It is difficult to say that this is an obligation according to all the jurists. It's not an obligation according to all the jurists. The jurists agree though that if there is an environment where people will be casting uh, inappropriate glances at her, looking at her inappropriately, or she could be, her safety could be compromised, then at that time she should cover herself completely. And the third level of hijab is when she goes out, she is just following the basic dress code which means her, her head and the rest of her body are, are covered even if her face and her hands are exposed. And this is perfectly fine if a woman, if she's a businesswoman, if she has to go to work, if um, uh, if she works in the medical field, as a doctor, as a nurse, in whatever field of life she's, she's working in, it's perfectly fine for her to do that. This is simply the dress code. The dress code aims towards modesty. Modesty removes the need for women to feel insecure about uh, about themselves, about their bodies, about their looks. It's really no one's business. It's um, it's really a a big no in the face of all of the um, all of the social pressures that force women to to look a certain way to develop their physique in a certain way to try to meet certain standards that, that some people have set for them or pushed for them to achieve or have made them feel bad for not, for not being able to achieve and then this constant insecurity and this constant struggle. Mind you, Islam is, is, very, um, is very open about uh, physical health, Islam encourages physical health. If a woman chooses to keep in shape for herself, for her own health, that's great. Islam will never discourage that. But does she have to try to keep up with other people who are seen as, um, as icons or models or influencers? Does she have to keep up? No, she absolutely doesn't. That's her own business. Her body is her own business. What she does is not something that people can judge her by or people should judge her by. So Islam removes the need of this. And lets women just be who they are, be good at what they're good at, without the need to constantly compete against these, these standards, and these 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 social pressures. Also, obviously, a part of uh, modesty is that it it challenges the um, the the tendencies towards what we might call illicit relationships. In other words, relationships that are not about marriage, that are not. For the sake of marriage or are not a part of a marriage, Islam aims to keep people away from that that 's another discussion that we could probably have um, at another time. but I think this is um this is a bit of a, a an overview of of some uh, i think some very relevant points um, and it answers. Uh, many of the questions that, that I have received, that, that Imams receive all the time. I hope you found this uh, beneficial and informative. And um, remember, we have just begun to scrape the surface. This was not an, uh, this was not an attempt to, to teach you everything about the hijab or all the teachings about hijab. We've hardly touched on any of the texts specifically we 've hardly gone into the specifics of it, but this is a general overview just to help people understand where we 're coming from. Some people ask that is is hijab optional or is it mandatory in islam look i 'm speaking from the perspective of of the Islamic teachings as is I like to present them as they are without um, uh, without modifying them from my from my own side or um, Uh, without trying to make them uh, appealing to a certain audience. Look, there is agreement and consensus in the Islamic tradition that um, hijab in the sense of a woman covering her head and covering the rest of her body, this is mandatory, this is compulsory. Some people say it's a choice. Well, ultimately everything is a choice. Whether a person prays or not is their choice. But it doesn't mean that Islam has has left it open as a choice. Islam has encouraged it. Islam has made certain things mandatory. This is one of those things. So I think we'll uh, we'll keep it to that. And um, do we have any questions? That's great. So I look forward to doing more of these uh, sessions with you. Um, these will be available on our uh, on the Facebook page as well as uh, the YouTube channel. They will be uploaded there and um, we're in the process of rolling out a podcast. Um, that's something really exciting because we have content from uh, from many years that is sitting and um, it addresses a lot of the the common concerns and the common issues. And uh, some of it is, in, is just uh, motivational, some of it is, is educational and, and from an informational perspective, and uh, some of it is just answering questions. But um, inshallah, we'll let you know about the details of that in the coming days. Thank you so much for joining us. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.